Stewart and that lovely and inexpensive jingle should tell you that this is the second Empire podcast, the 47th greatest movie podcast on the pod web. We looked that up. That is fact. How the devil are you guys? No, don't answer that. I can't hear you. Once again, we're going to bring you the best movie news, the best movie reviews and the second best movie chat with our brain trusted top Empire writers, starting with the lovely Helen O'Hara, who is the world's foremost John Carter expert. Is that right, Helen? Ted Padgett, Aquabhedge, Chris Hewitt. I have literally no idea what the hell it is. It was Barsoomian, wasn't it? It was Martian. You know, I thought I'd show off how much of a John Carter expert I am by, oh, okay. I by using my Martian. Do you speak Navi as well? Only a few words. Okay. I genuinely All the swear words. Everyone knows the swear word words in Navi. Navi. Which is... Hey, that's pretty blue. I know. Steady on. Oh, that's terrible. Thank you. We're off to a good start. Helen, what did that mean, by the way? That mean that meant that you won't be Jeddak today, Chris Hewitt. Uh, anyway, moving on, we have yeah. the walking art house encyclopedia that is Phil Simlian. How are you, Phil? I'm very well, thanks, Chris. Weirdly, I was Jedi just earlier. So, <laughs> you okay, though? I think I've bounced back strong. In the <laughs> lift. In the lift, yeah. And last but not least, that voice you can hear is a new addition to the podcast crew, and that's Nick Simlian, who's battled through a cold to be here. How are you, Nick? Hello, not bad. Uh, Simlian sounds a bit like something you would find on Barsoom. <laughs> it does, doesn't uh, it? Yeah. Are you correct. from, uh, is there a tribe of Simlians somewhere? <clears throat> That's classified. <laughs> <laughs> Roaming the Carpathian say, Mountains. Are you guys related by any chance? You know, this is a quite no. unusual surname. Not at all. No. <laughs> we had the Johnson & Johnson of uh, <laughs> publishing. <laughs> movie, movie journalism. Related by marriage. Um, okay. Helicopters constantly crash. <laughs> now, uh, last week's debut podcast caused something of a stir with people queuing up in their tent, in their tent, to offer us praise, encouragement... And the odd death threat. You wouldn't, it wouldn't feel right if there wasn't a death threat somewhere along the lines. Uh, some sample missives. Uh, at, this is on Twitter, at Don underscore Lyle said, we were the soundtrack to his ironing. Oh. Which is way less rock and roll than I thought we would be. But yeah, it's I was pretty hoping nice. for a soundtrack to, you know, their car chase or something. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Helen just bunched her fist. I thought she was going to say something a lot raunchier than no, her. No, no, <laughs> I, I, thought I'd, I thought I'd hold back. Uh, at Lol Nichols says... A musical version of Animal House is headed for Broadway with bare-naked ladies writing the score. Awesome. Thoughts? Hmm. Do we have any thoughts on that? Mm. Is that, is that a good mix? An yeah. Animal House musical? Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? That, that could be a music, I think. I feel sorry for the person who has to clean up the stage, because there's going to be a food fight every night. <laughs> that's very good point. Mashed potato point. everywhere. With bare-naked ladies, presumably. Oh my gosh. As well. Yeah. Clean potato. Yeah, just are bare naked, bare naked ladies are they good? I mean, I don't, I don't, I really don't know remember much what, about what bare naked ladies. Are they, they the ones like that mid nineties or late something? Yeah, like, uh, no, that's Crash Test wait, Dummies, no, isn't it? That's Crash Test Dummies. Okay. Uh, Other three name bands. Uh, okay. Um, Does anybody can anyone name a bare naked ladies? Gene? I just remember that it's the kind of group that people used to go and see in American teen TV shows. Mm. You know, they'd be like, "Oh, we're in, we're in line for tickets to the bare naked lazy ladies concert." I don't really know <laughs> if that but, uh, means that they're good or bad. But they're not ladies. <laughs> I don't think they're ladies, and I, Are I, they I naked, just think though? the whole thing is a whole. Con, it's a big con. I'd rather see Blues Brothers or American Werewolf in London on the stage. Well, there has been a Blues Brothers uh, stage show for many, many years. Which, if you go to the no. Universal Studios mm. tour in Japan or Orlando or wherever it is you want to go to LA, uh, there usually is like a Blues Brothers stage show performance several times a day, where some mm. poor jobbing actor has to come out and pretend to be John Belushi um, <laughs> when he was alive. It's not and only James Belushi. 
Yes, it is James Belushi, actually. Yeah, yeah. it's lesser members of the Belushi family, as cousins and, and nephews, <laughs> oh, uh, so and wrong. and family pets, and they come out and they have to, they have to. It must be soul destroying. Like the poor guy who has to. You ever seen this? Where you have, yeah. the poor guy has to be Anthony Perkins, like eight times a day. Like a tour bus will go past the Bates Motel, Universal Studios tour, and he, and he has, has to carry a body out of the motel yeah. into the boot of a car. Really? Yeah. yeah. I did that till last year, and I didn't see they had a, they had a oh, yeah. silhouette <laughs> in the window. I think I, why did that I was carrying a body. I was wondering why they paid me afterwards. <laughs> I just happened to have a body. Just happened to be. Luckily, I just killed this person earlier. Let's, let's move on. Let's draw a veil, shall we? Um, let's move on to the next, uh, the next comment from at Piccolo135, who says, 20 points. Now, I didn't know we were scoring this, Gosh. but 20 points to whoever can seamlessly insert the phrase... <laughs> Go Barsoom. I think Helen's already the... done that in fairness. <laughs> mm, mm. But I did it in Martian. You Jeddarked you it. You lose 10 you points for being smug. <laughs> Return of the Jeddak. Return of the Jeddak. Um, as ever, if you want to hear your comments read out in the podcast, do send them to us via email at podcast at emperorline.com or tweet us using your Twitter device. Uh, we're at Empire Magazine on Twitter and the hashtag is... Empire Podcast. Oh, and please make them good because we don't want to be reading out rubbish. Uh, speaking of making things good, every week we're going to break up the podcast with some lovely jingles written by you, the listener, the sole listener probably. Last week, Dom Curry made our day with this lovely slice of movie heaven. <laughs> Was that from Wings of Desire? <laughs> So that sounds familiar. It was a temp track, yeah. Um, so like, <laughs> <laughs> nobody did what I asked last week and sent in an MP3 of them farting the Universal theme tune. Thank but, you. <laughs> I know, well, maybe it is a blessing in disguise. <laughs> but this week's jingle comes from Lawrence Murawski, and it's a little bit porny. Let's have a listen to this. That was the bare naked ladies. <laughs> a plumber has just walked into the, uh, the studio, and I'm getting a bit worried. He's got a massive tash. Come back later, Gunter. <laughs> it's amazing. That's about 20 seconds long. I usually don't last week. Porn movies that long. It's quite easy. That was funny. I feel like I need a shower. Can we do that one again next week? I really enjoyed that. It, it, was, it was pretty <laughs> good. Phil now has his trousers off. <laughs> yeah, I've got another pair of trousers oh, underneath. So. <laughs> when brother's trousers comes off, oh, it's, it's not that, good. That's um, quite wrong. Send in your jingles and your stings, no more than 10 seconds in length, if you can, to uh, podcast at empireonline.com, and great fame and fortune will come your way. Uh, NB, fortune is not included. Hmm. Okay, it's uh, time to pick apart the week's movie news, like a tramp run the bins in the back of KFC. Let's start with the big one which is, of course, the awards ceremony to rule them all. The Jameson Empire Awards takes place at the Groger House Hotel on March 25th, where Lauren Laverne, no less, will try and cover up her amateurish co-host's shoddy mistakes. The nominations were announced yesterday. Uh, first thing I noticed, Helen, was that The Artist, the, the movie that swept the boards at the mm. BAFTAs, the Oscars, the World Darts Championship, it's in the yeah. FA Cup semifinals, yeah. it wasn't nominated for anything. Yeah. Well, my my personal theory around this one it was it only just squeaked in as an eligible film because of course um, our eligibility period runs from January to December and it came out on December thirtieth so it was right just on the very edge of the window and I think simply not enough people had seen it and loved it um, by the time that the nominations had to be in. Um, 
I I think it probably would have done better had it had a bit more of a kind of build up and a bit more time to kind of garner some votes. That said, maybe our readers just hate silent movies and black and white and indeed charming French people. I don't know. <laughs> and dogs. And dogs. I hate dogs. Yes. Stop painting a very good picture of our readers at the moment. Just well, cynical no, because, because, because <laughs> our readers, no, no, our readers have completely redeemed themselves. Okay. Because where the Academy Awards pretty much entirely overlooked Drive, mm -hmm. it's uh, our most nominated film, along with Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part Two. Uh huh. Mm -hmm. That's very, very interesting indeed. Because yes. the the the, uh, the James and Empire Awards is entirely photo for by you guys. Yes. In fact, and it it does reward those films that the the snooty academies tend to overlook. Well, and I think it's quite nice because, you know, the Harry Potter series is a great testament to British cinema, actually. You know, the, the, the amazing, amazing people work behind the scenes on it. Forget about, you know, the actors and directors. I mean, the entire cast and crew are British and have done astonishing things with everything they've been asked to do in those books. And I think, you know, hey, let's celebrate them a little bit. Yeah, one of the things I really, really loved was uh, seeing Olivia Coleman, who has been overlooked in most categories, being mm. nominated for Best mm. Actress. It's good to see Drive get uh, some nominations. Some really, really strong categories. You know, the I'd likes say, of yeah. Best British Film has got like Tinker Tailor, Submarine, Attack the Block. It's a phenomenal category. And Tyrannosaur itself. And Tyrannosaur itself, indeed. Of course, Drive's presence means nobody should be using the lift at the Grosvenor House on that night, I think. <laughs> <laughs> but it's great to see, because it's a film I think we all felt very, like, you know, maybe it didn't get critical props at the highest level from, you know, from from the people giving out awards but everybody we, we all really loved it so mm. it'd be fantastic to celebrate that it was that film, film of the year yeah yes. absolutely well, there you go and so. Harry Potter being rewarded at long last with five nominations including best actor for, for Diddy Danny Radcliffe is it a lifetime achievement award almost for the Harry Potter we've actually congratulations given you're 22 years <laughs> <laughs> no, we've, we've actually kind of given the Harry Potter series a lifetime achievement award already uh, at our awards our <laughs> hearts <laughs> Our oh, it has won magic. our hearts. Um, the ultimate award. And, and our, our wallets. In fact, it's made wallets. 10 squillion pounds. It's stolen my wallet. What is that in Jeddak? Um, well, no, that's obviously not a unit of currency. Oh, right. Chris. Okay. Oh, so, what is this Jeddak? Fatata. For fatata. For fajita. Sorry, fajitas. Are you getting Mars mixed up with Mexico again? Yeah. So, Harry Potter's done well. Drive's done well. Anything else that popped up in the nominations that you were particularly pleased to see? Um, Tinker Taylor obviously has done mm -hmm. better here than it did uh, at the Oscars. I think again, it's home field advantage, really, isn't it? It's uh, it's got you know a an amazing British cast, and I think they're they're bigger names here than they are in the US. You know, someone like Gary Oldman is mm -hmm. is considered a national treasure here, and in the US, he's oh, wasn't that guy Sirius Black? So you know, <laughs> it's, it's kind of it's good to see him up for mm. uh, best actor. Uh, of course, we gave him the uh, Icon Award last year, we Gary did, Oldman, which, yes. believe it or not, was pretty much the first award he'd ever been given in his life. I don't think he even won like the Debating Society Cup. An outrage. An I have outrage. a Debating Society Cup. I will give that Do to you? Gary Oldman next time he's in. I also have a Debating Society Cup, which is amazing because I generally just mooned anyone I was debating against. <laughs> and then, <laughs> But it seemed to work. I can see how people would just vote for you quickly. <laughs> Get it done. Get him off stage. Get it done. I'm excited <laughs> about the best horror category, actually, because there's some solid films on there. There's uh -huh. Attack the Block, obviously. Which is rightly celebrated last yep. year. Um, Kill List and Troll Hunter as well, both in their own mm. ways, kind of, oh, yeah. you know, slightly lo fi left field horror films. Um, one of which kind of tapped into the Wicker Man spirit of British horror, mm -hmm. and one of which was a Norwegian movie with ginormous trolls in it. Um, both of which were excellent, <laughs> so it's going to be a great, that's a great category there. There's some really good films. Yeah. And, uh, 
if there's a lift that involves members of the drive cast and the kill less cast, right? I just run. Just yeah. don't get any, don't get into a lift with anybody. Hide all hammers. Yeah. I think. Just take the stairs. It's better for your heart anyway. Mm, so. Absolutely, good point. But um, it's interesting. Uh, Attack the Block is in best comedy as well as best horror. Yep. And uh, Woody Allen's in best comedy as well, which must be the first time that's happened for quite a few years. <laughs> um, Intentionally as well, which is. <laughs> yeah. So he didn't show up to get his Oscar, but he he might come along mm. to us. It's interesting that Thor is in best sci-fi. Well, it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because he's an alien rather than a Norse god? Exactly. Okay. Good retconning, Marvel. (laughs) We like it. Uh, I also like the fact that this year, uh, because of the sheer weight of newcomers, I'm not saying they're fat, but I'm just saying there's a lot of them. uh, They're not fat. Our lawyers would like us to make that clear. No, they have 4% body fat. Everybody in that category has 4% body fat. The the newcomer section has been split into two. Best male newcomer and best, uh, what's it called? Jedak, Jedak, <laughs> newcomer. Uh, the likes of Tom Hiddleston with his Twitter army. Uh, he's already marching his troops to vote for him. Best male newcomer, uh, best female newcomer. Uh, Felicity Jones, people like that. Uh, really, really strong categories. The question will be: Does anyone have a Hulk that they can deploy against Tom Hiddleston's <laughs> army in order to beat him to best male newcomer? Absolutely. And, you. You know, honestly, so many people played the Hulk by this, by, by this point that, yes, probably there will be a Hulk in the room. Uh, but mm. anyway, enough blowing our own trumpets. Let's talk about something else. Uh, Nick, the second Men in Black 3 trailer hit the web this week. Uh, you wrote the cover feature, uh, or one third of the cover, I guess. Right, yes. That's, uh, that's Grace in the current issue. Uh, so you're probably the best person in the world who's not Barry Sonnenfeld to talk about this. <laughs> Does it look like it works? Well, I spoke to um, Barry Sonnenfeld last month for about an hour, and he sounded very upbeat, very confident about the, how the film was going. He, and then he saw the trailer. Well, <laughs> you know, he, he, he debunked all the rumours. There's lots of rumours going around that this is a production that's spinning out of control, mm-hmm. everything's gone wrong, budget spiralling, all that stuff. Uh, he was adamant that none of that was true, but I'm, I'm not sure this trailer is quite strong enough no. as it needed to be to convince everyone that this film is going to be as good as he's claiming it's going to be. It's interesting what's not in it. Jermaine Clement is only in it in one shot. Jermaine Clement, who's he, the bad guy? He plays the villain uh, Boris the Animal. I he's, didn't really see Alice Eve either, and she's supposed to be part of the cast. She plays really the cool. younger Emma Thompson, who yeah, has okay. replaced Rip Torn, who's not coming back either as the head of Men in Black. Wow. Because people are going to ask, where's Rip Torn? Well, I, I must really care about the franchise. Yeah. 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 I thought he was very good. Yeah, I mean, he, he obviously ran into trouble when he mistook his house for a bank. <laughs> I think that was last year. Yeah, which, done which if you don't know this story, uh, Rip Torn, was it last year or the year before? I think it was the year uh, before. Broke into a bank uh, because he was, how do you put this politely, he was jet-act off his face. And uh, he broke into a bank and uh, pretended, well, didn't pretend, but he, he said to the cops the next day uh, that he thought it was his house. Which, to be fair, if you look up this bank, it's one of those very nice rural banks in the, in the States, and it has been made up, and it looks a bit like a two-up, two-down. So you can It wasn't like Morgan that. Stanley on Wall Street. <laughs> no, it wasn't. My house is so much bigger than normal. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he sleeps in a vault. But yeah, he's, he's out of Men in Black 3. There's going to be a, a kind of some kind of memorial service at the beginning of the film, apparently. Oh no! With him in it. He's killing him. Um, so Sed is dead? Uh, he's either dead or, or they've lost him. <laughs> Sed's dead, baby. Sed's dead. Oh yep. man, that yep. sucks. Uh, so Emma Thompson's back in it. She's in it as Agent O, I believe? Yes. Okay, and she's going to replace him. And the, the, the basic story is that Tommy Lee Jones' character, Kay, mm-hmm. gets mm-hmm. killed at the beginning of the movie by Jermaine Clement. And, and Will Smith has to travel back in time. Okay. To prevent this happening? Yes. And then he, <laughs> then he teams up with Young K, who's played by Josh Brolin. 
Yes. Okay. Who looks Fair. like the best thing in it? Because I'm really enjoying his "I'm Tommy Lee Jones" in- impression. It, interestingly, when I spoke to Barry Sonnenfeld, he said that the studio originally had a completely different actor in mind. He was the person he came and said, "It's got to be Josh Brolin." Really? But I, uh, my theory, he didn't say who it was. Um, tactfully, mm. my theory is that it was Josh Hartnett because who else? looks yeah. just okay, like a young yeah, version and actually the age thing doesn't really work with Josh Brolin he's meant to be 29 yeah, when in Black Free, old, they he? make a joke out of that at the end of the trailer it's not particularly funny it's just kind of points out another yeah. problem with the film but yeah I don't know I, I, I thought the trailer was okay but yeah. not as funny as well I have to say I thought your cover feature gave me gave me hope in this film again um, and if you haven't checked it out then by all means go and do so now because it is fantastic but the trailer has vanquished that hope again. It just—it's it, a bit leaden. It's a bit dull, and there seem to be repeating jokes from the from the first two films. Which the, the second film, as you were saying, uh, Nick, the other day to me, is much maligned, unfairly so. You would say. I don't think it's so much that it's a terrible film. I think it just repeats the story of the first one almost beat for beat and I, I'm worried after seeing this trailer that this one seems to be sticking too closely to all that kind of stuff as well Phil you've got a, you've got a Jones on for something this week which is the uh, the magnificent Avengers sorry Avengers Assemble Lego uh, which has just come out because it's literally Avengers Assemble isn't it yes Phil presents Avengers Assemble news story um, <laughs> a few weeks ago I went I, I went down to the London Toy Fair I believe it's I'm called. so happy for you down at, down at well you should it's amazing at Kensington Olympia um, and you didn't want I'd to like go, to say and I via- made you go. Yes, that's true. Well, you know. Thank you, Helen. Did you pass go? Did you, you promised I could travel there by via, via giant scare electrics. That's what that was the swing. <laughs> <laughs> Alas, that never came to fruition. But I went down there <laughs> and I got a look. Or cars, at- as we call them. <laughs> <laughs> yes! That's what they're called. Damn it. <laughs> Where are the chicanes out there? <laughs> anyway, so I, I went down to uh, to Kensington uh, Olympia and, and got ushered into Lego's Inner Sanctum. And all of this stuff was kind of embargoed then, so we couldn't really put it put any pictures up or mm-hmm. talk about it in too much detail. But now they've come, the pictures of Lego Avengers has gone online, gone, gone around. <laughs> and I don't know what's so funny about Lego Avengers. I just love the idea of Lego Avengers. I also love the idea that, that movie studios work so hard to keep a cap on spoilers and then approximately two months before a film comes out there'll be a toy that reveals the main bad guy yeah. or there'll be a soundtrack that reveals it's the that entire it's a scenario of the entire final <laughs> final scene of the film basically mm. uh, uh, is it really? no Oh, but okay. it could be it's heading that way I mean there are spoilers to, to my mind there are spoilers in here I think probably I'd pass over to Helen at some point to talk in more detail about the villains but they seem to have revealed possible identity of, uh, of the villains in the film mm-hmm. um, and they've also revealed some of the scenarios one of which looks like it involves Loki being being sort of imprisoned within Bruce Banner's lab Oh, well, no, he's not in Bruce Banner's lab. He's on the helicarrier, uh, the shield build a prison mm. specifically. Yes, yeah, sorry, Hulk. within the helicarrier, I yes. meant. Um, yes. And then escaping using using su- Loki suggestion, Loki power, soup. Mm. Usually, uh, yeah. What happens is a shield uh, at some point realizes that they may have to imprison the Hulk, uh, and so they build a prison specifically designed to contain him on board a helicarrier. And whenever they capture Loki, uh, he goes into prison. To hold a Hulk. Uh, does he escape? Yes, he does. Phil, you were saying that Lego Avengers reveals something interesting about the bad guys because there's been a lot of debate about who the bad guy, the second bad guy in the Avengers, is going to be. That's right, we've got um, two suggestions, one of which is that they might be the scrolls. I said that right? I believe it's yes, singular yeah. for the plural. Yeah. I think it's like sheep. So no, it's no, scrolls. Scroll. It is scrolls. Oh, it it's the scrolls. Okay. The Jeddaks. <laughs> no, sorry, the, the skulls ride the Jeddaks. Sorry. <laughs> they do not ride the Jeddaks. Go Forget bar, the Jeddaks. Go bar soon. Go bar. <laughs> and uh, option two is the Atlanteans, and there seems okay. to be some debate online. There's actually a third option. 
There is a third Ooh, option. Or, or, or option three, the Jedi. Option, option three, the Jedi. <laughs> the Kree are the third option. Yes, they are. They what are the Kree? The Kree are a uh, war mongering race of, uh, essentially, as I saw put today on on the internet, uh, space Nazis. They they want their they want genetically pure races and they want genetically pure uh, species and they want to spread that genetic pureness throughout the solar system. Is Captain Red Skull involved? Captain Red Skull, uh, and thank you for using the technical term, is uh, not in the Avengers movie. Sorry, Avengers Assemble. Uh, Avengers Marvel movie. Avengers Assemble. Sorry, Marvel Avengers Assemble. Uh, as far as I'm aware, uh, Kevin Feige said to me on set, bing, name drop, um, that uh, he uh, wasn't going to be in this one. And he may not even be in Captain America 2 because they want to use some different people at some point and not just have it be dull and predictable all the time. However, obviously, at the end of Captain America, the first Avenger, which is a prequel to the Marvel Avengers Assemble. There you um, go. <laughs> The Red Skull is sucked into a dimension by the uh, use the same light beam that uh, that that Loki uses from the cosmic. Cube My itself. head hurts. Yeah, this is this I, is, this is simple stuff. It's very, very simple, Nick. but yeah. I don't understand. Yeah. Helen, who would you like to be? Crees, Skrulls, Atlanteans, or A and other? Um, I don't know. My, my, I would like it to be something that makes lots of story sense and doesn't strain people's credulity too far. So which, this is whichever a film which a giant, giant green man teams up with yeah, a man. Yeah, but I'm totally down with that. I'm okay, okay with that. Yeah. I just I want it to make internal sense as a story and not go completely crazy. That that tends to be my thing. Uh, okay, coming up we have the week's reviews. <laughs> Okay, before we get on to the reviews, it's competition time. This week is quite an exciting one where you can win a pair of tickets, yes, a pair of tickets to the UK premiere of The Hunger Games, a long-awaited sequel to the Stephen Queen Michael Fassbender drama. It's at the O2 next Wednesday, March 14th, and the main talent will be in attendance from Jennifer Lawrence to Liam Hemsworth to Elizabeth Banks and more should be a hell of a night to win simply answer the following question is so easy even I know the answer I don't know the answer uh, what is Katniss Everdeen's weapon of choice uh, send in your answers to podcast at empireonline.com and do it quickly because March 14th is just around the corner last week we had three Tyrannosaur posters signed by the writer-director Paddy Considine to give away the ridiculously easy question even I could answer was in which film did Paddy star with Russell Crowe the answer was of course Cinderella Man and the three winners are Kyle Buxton, Matt Thomas, and Alex Queen. Congratulations to all three of you. Commiserations to those who entered and died trying. Okay, now it's time to help you out with your movie-going choices for this week. A lot of releases, including the first Adam Deacon film since he became the Orange Rising Star, Payback Season. But we're going to focus on three in particular. And let's start with the biggest and most divisive of the bunch, which is John Carter. Now, Helen, you were on set as Queen <laughs> Jeddak, uh, and you were all over this. What the hell is John Carter, and why should we care? Okay, this is based on a hundred-year-old story by Edgar Rice Burroughs, who also invented uh, Tarzan. Uh, and it's about a, a US Civil War veteran called John Carter. Uh, and I want to get back to his name in a minute, so remind me. He's mm -hmm. played by Taylor Kitsch here. Um, he goes to sleep in a cave when gold prospecting after being chased by Indians and um, and wakes up to find himself on Mars. Uh, the locals call it Barsoom. He soon finds himself in the middle of warring races, including the nine-foot-tall, green, four-armed, tusked, Thark, led by Willem Dafoe's Tars Tarkas. Um, he also finds the uh, rather dishy Martian princess, who's a, a more manageable size and has a normal number of arms. Her name is Deja Thoris, and she's played by Lynn Collins. I'll say. And it's all overseen, steady, it's all overseen by Pixar's Andrew Stanton making his live-action debut as a director. Fantastic. And there are no space Nazis in this one. 
Well, it depends really how you define space Nazis, but possibly yes. Okay. And this must be getting quite a bit of flack. Uh, but you liked it. I did like it. I think it's. Um, I think I'm not saying it's a perfect movie. I think it has some some serious problems that it finds very difficult to overcome. Chief among them the fact that every single science fiction film and book for the past hundred years has in some way been influenced by John Carter, and some of them have stolen outright. So <laughs> uh, it makes it quite difficult for it to sort of feel completely fresh. Um, but that said, I think it's a really fun adventure movie. It's, you know, if you were, if I was seeing this at the same age I saw Star Wars, I would be going completely mental for it right now. I think it's it's really, really good fun in that sense. The performances are decent. Um, Lynn Collins, who I've never been that big a fan of, mm-hmm. was fantastic here, I thought. Yeah, really, I really, really, I really, a genuinely yeah. strong female role. Which, I mean, honestly, anytime anyone says that, I tend to tune them out because usually they're talking about being a Bond girl. Um, but this actually is. And, uh, Cracking and English so accent as well. It. Yes, pretty much flawless, which is which is impressive. And he, uh, Taylor Kitch, meanwhile, is doing a sort of John Wayne-esque kind of droll almost. He's so mm. Southern. I quite um, like the fact that uh, he's out of breath every time he speaks. So it's, it's pretty much like, <laughs> my name is John Carter. He's just a very heavy smoker, actually. <laughs> Maybe he is, yeah. The character. Of course. But Nick, you, um, you're actually on the sort of John Carter sucks inside of the fence, aren't you? Every time I, I am, I'm wearing the t-shirt here. right now. <laughs> Thanks are. for noticing. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I love Wally. It's up there with um, Up as my sort of favourite Pixar film. Uh, so I went in hoping for good things. I didn't like the trailers. I didn't like the posters much. But nothing prepared me for the film, which I thought was dreadful. <laughs> Genuinely dreadful. I honestly, I'm, I'm amazed. Um, that it is getting a very device divided kind of uh, reception, but I'm I'm definitely on the did not enjoy it front. What was wrong with it? Because I, I, I I'm struggling to understand your hatred towards this film as you're struggling to understand that Helen and I liked mm. it. I thought it was perfectly fun space nonsense. It yeah, you know, it made me chuckle a lot. I thought it had his tongue in his own cheek. It was aware of its own stupidity and ridiculousness. Taylor Kitt, the performances were good. Yeah, and the, the, the effects, effects actually were very good. And yeah. and also um, filming outside and, and using a lot of the the Utah desert for Mars I thought did give it you know the kind of realism that they were going for and I really mm. liked that. But I want to. When I see a, a movie set on a faraway planet, I want a bit of exotic landscape or some creative monsters. And I didn't feel that this gave either of those. It just looked like they were shooting out in a desert, which I guess they were. But then, the, like, and it was all enhanced. Like every single desert shot was basically enhanced and made to look a bit different than it should. Yeah. Like and I guess Avatar stole its thunder coming in with the animals that have got an extra pair of limbs or you know arms or whatever. But I don't know. Part of the thing that it's such an old book that its ideas have kind of been nicked by movies yeah. over the past so you know it's, to me it didn't feel original yeah. it felt like the obviously the arena scene was like Attack of the Clones mm. one of the problems you have as well is that um, essentially John Carter uh, his only power is leaping leaping uh, yeah, yeah. I, I compared it to Frogger uh, watching someone <laughs> playing Frogger for, for two hours he just leapt everywhere yeah. Um, which I, I'd like a bit of leaping but it was too much <laughs> only the weekends yeah and, and also I, I just thought the 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 script wasn't funny enough. It was clunky. It was there's cool sci-fi slang, and then there's Heliumites and Zadangans and and the Jedi. Don't forget. Yeah, it was just too much. It was very long as well. It's like once you get past two hours, you've got to have a real reason to be cracking on. And this is not a story. This kind of arc of John Carter. There's not something we haven't seen before a million times. Mm-hmm. It's not the fault of 
you know, the book and, and uh, Edgar Rice Burroughs that he started mm. the sci-fi genre. But we have seen all these things before. And, and you know, the skiff scene, But very like a much lot of that, the game, I mean, actually, John Carter in the books doesn't have uh, a lot of the backstory, doesn't have as much depth as they actually gave him in the film. So I think... Well, yeah. You know, they've 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 added enough in to make it a sort of coherent the, story. They've yeah. gotten rid of a lot of the stuff that made it. Basically, it was originally published as a serial, so it felt like you know there was a cliffhanger at the end of every chapter. Mm. And at some point, in pretty much every chapter, John Carter would say, "And then I fought the greatest battle of my life." <laughs> yeah. So they've kind of they've kind of gotten rid of that a bit and made it more of a coherent story. And I don't know. For me, it worked. It's I think I think you know. Sorry, I take your point about the, the added backstory. I haven't actually read the books, but I know that's the case. Uh, the trouble is that that backstory is in takes you right into the middle of the old west, and which is the thing that cowboys and aliens fell, fell down on for me as well. Because that's that's I love westerns and that's Howard Hawks and that's John Ford mm. and Anthony Mann and a million better films and so all of that stuff just felt like a sort of a riff on, on films that I'd much rather be watching and then when you get into space you know there was I agree with you some of the landscapes were fantastic some of the 3D was actually okay I thought even though it wasn't a big priority for Andrew Stanton but mm. you know it just it wasn't you know with all that talent and all that money there's just not there's just not a freshness and originality in it for me but I liked some of the relationships I, I, mm. I liked the relationship between John Carter and Data Thoris I liked uh, the Wooler the, the sort of frog dog that runs 300 miles an hour so I, I thought the villains were slightly one dimensional poor old Dominic West just gets to oh sit around and glower evilly Very uh, James Purifoy turns up it's a Rome reunion that was James exciting yeah, yeah. That was a highlight. Kieran Hines as well. Um, yep. James Wear, wearing some kind of and sort of furry chest plate. They were. He's got furry. Sort of James Purefoy actually has one of my favourite moments in the film where he um, uh, pretends to take John Carter hostage. But anyway, I'm not going to spoil mm. too much. Okay, right, we're moving on to The Raven now, in which John Cusack's Edgar Allan Poe teams up with Luke Evans's cop, that was a bit of a Welsh accent, uh, and tries to solve murders based on Poe's own stories, which is a massive shocker. <gasps> it's directed by, and thanks, Helen, it's directed by Fever Vendetta's James McTeague, but is it G for good? Phil. Chris, it's N for not really. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's to be honest, it's, it's a gothic kind of thrill. I, I went in thinking it was going to be more of a horror movie, but it's more of a sort of crime mystery in which right. John Cusack plays, as you say, Edgar Allan Poe, another mm -hmm. literary figure called Edgar this week. And he <laughs> is kind of riddled with self-doubt, got money problems, and, you know, bouts with a bottle. He's a dark character. Okay. Um, pretty soon, there's uh, a mystery serial killer out there Who's basically, and here's the here's the uh, it's Luke Evans, isn't here's it? the kicker. Oh, that's shit. what I keep thinking as well. <laughs> Everybody go I home. I thought that on, just based on the trailer. Oh lord, it's not it's not that I'm going to tell you who it is. Okay. <laughs> but, but you wouldn't be too far wrong thinking what Chris just said was rubbish. Um, oh. It's uh, you know me. it's basically somebody who's taking Edgar Allan Poe's own. Uh, stories, a great man of American literature who wrote uh -huh. stories, you know, murder, gothic, horror, like um, Mask of the Red Death, a lot of yeah, Mask of the Red Death, the Raven, Death, the Raven yeah. Pit and the Pendulum, Pit and the Pendulum, and there's these the very inventive Twilight. murders, kind of riff on, yeah, not so much Twilight, um, <laughs> <laughs> riff on, uh, riff on his murders, and Alice Eve, his girlfriend, is Again. abducted early on. I know another reference for Alice Eve. She's she's abducted early on, buried alive, and oh, the God. clock mm. is ticking. That's maybe why she's not in Back Three. This was in days when I clocks actually ticked. Not in the trailer. Wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, a lot of mysteries <laughs> being solved here right yeah. now. So um, this, is, this is a strange mashup because um, Edgar Allan Poe. Uh, this is about the final five days of his life, isn't it? In, it in is, yeah. Uh, and it's an interesting starting point for the film because people genuinely don't know what happened to Edgar Allan Poe in the last few days of his life. They really don't, don't know how he died. Um, so. 
you know, they've they've kind of got the opportunity to go buck wild and just say, you know, we're going to create a counter history mm-hmm. um, in which there's, you know, this lunatic at large killing and abducting using, you know, giant pendulums and blackbirds and all the rest of it. Um, and, you know, that should be a lot of fun. And, you know, on paper, it's sort of, it's kind of seven meet Sherlock Holmes. Okay. But it sounds at like a should be. It feels a little bit more like sort of Sleepy Hollow meets the Antiques Roadshow. But sounds lots of great. I like Sleepy Hollow. Opening. I like the Antiques Roadshow. Yeah, and I like Sleepy Hollow like too. Mace. But it's not. It's not Tim Burton good. It's this is probably the foggiest film I've ever seen. There's fog everywhere. <laughs> if this film was in 3D, you'd leave it with a wet nose. It's ridiculously foggy. Um, it's kind of all the kind of gothic tropes that you'd expect from the kind of 18, 19th century Baltimore. Um, but it feels a little bit like sort of sub Basil Rathbone Sherlock Holmes, and okay. it's, it kind of just ends up being it's a bit poor face not part hey. of it's a police procedural that's terrible <laughs> I had to get that one out sorry mm. but there is there is a fantastic raccoon cameo for people into into mm. that kind of thing CG raccoon or actual no an actual hatch. raccoon really Kuzak does some great work with the raccoon um, <laughs> Does he have a sidekick raccoon? Is this, I, the I raccoon doesn't have a sidekick raccoon because that would just be that would be no, over. Oh my god! Uh, how how is Kuzak? Kuzak is good. He's 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 pretty solid in it. I mean, he's kind of doing quite a lot of dark stuff at the moment. I believe he's playing in a couple of a couple of roles. One in which he's on death row. Mm-hmm. Um, one of which again he's a killer. I believe he's playing Tinky Winky next. And there's uh, Dipsy <laughs> and Lala. Yeah, I think the Teletubbies movie could be his next port of call. I, I actually met him last week and, and spoke to him about it, and he said that he's not an actor who likes to kind of analyze his craft in too much detail. But he said it was definitely a dark time last year when he was getting into all of these very kind of black black sort of characters mm. um, he's pretty good he has you know he has this kind of like black slick back hair and a goatee which as the film kind of goes on he seems to sort of morph into um, Hans Gruber <laughs> really yeah, with a raccoon unusual with, with a raccoon bring me my raccoon okay? <laughs> I'm sorry bring any film with John Cusack teams up for a musical number with with a singing raccoon which, <laughs> which is I understand the is what you just said uh, why isn't the, the film, film called The Raccoon I don't know <laughs> I, um, I, I, I like John Cusack and I like raccoons but I am disappointed <laughs> I do. I mean, you know, there's no, but but there's no getting around the fact that that there were two previous incarnations of of a film about Edgar Allan Poe which never got made. But one of them um, was going to star Michael Jackson, mm-hmm. and the other was going to star Sylvester Stallone. And <laughs> I would pay really good money to see either of those. They sound insane. And probably would have involved raccoons. In a larger role, yeah. I, I would like to know one thing, uh, Phil. Is this more respectful of a, of a historical literary figure than Anonymous was last year? <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, <laughs> marginally. It is. No, it is respectful okay, to, to Edgar Allan Poe. I think, good. to be honest, you can't really you can't really play too fast and loose with Edgar Allan Poe in America, and in the same way that you can with Shakespeare, perhaps over here. Uh, he's kind of he's kind of royalty, literary royalty. You mentioned Twilight. I mean, he's a key influence on things like Twilight. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure that he would particularly enjoy the comparison, but yeah, I mean, he's his influence is pervasive. Okay, thanks, Phil. Uh, uh, if you love John Cusack and if you love raccoons, then you're not going to hate the next movie. But if you like Twilight, you might like it because it's our Pat's time. This is a uh, Bellamy, uh, which is Helen. And correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, essentially, Robert Pattinson knobbing his way around Paris, isn't that right? Um, th- that's not a million miles from the truth. Yes, that's, okay. that's fair. Uh, so if you see is... a queue of Twilight fans snaking around cinemas over the next few weeks, that it's going to be the Raven. Yeah. Yes, uh, <laughs> it's going to be for the Raven. Uh, Bellamy is uh, an adaptation of a Guy de Maupassant novel, as I'm sure you're aware, Chris, uh, from the Edgar, 19th century. Edgar, de Maupassant. Edgar, Guy de Maupassant. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Um, and uh, in keeping with the author's work, it's, it's quite a... 
uh, twisted tale. Basically, um, Arpat plays uh, Georges Duroy, who um, emerges from the army uh, in Paris in the sort of late 19th century, sort of Belle Epoque time, um, emerges from the army with nary a penny to his name. He's oh, no. on the verge of starvation. And he meets up with an old buddy, army buddy, played by Colin Meany. And isn't it lovely to have him back? Yep. Um, who basically gets him a job on the newspaper he works for. Colin Meany's wife, Uma Thurman, hasn't he done well? then assists our pats in in sort of becoming a journalist and, and tells him how to write and basically write stuff for him because let's face it he's a bit pathetic on his own she refuses to become his mistress uh, christina rishi however is not so recalcitrant so soon he's uh, getting his end away there um he also strikes up a relationship with the publisher's wife who's played by kristen scott thomas um, and and so it goes on. So he's basically uh, using all of these women to get ahead in Parisian society um, at that time. Wow, Parisian gigolo, if you will. Parisian gigolo, indeed. How do you know it's Emma Thurman and not Mark Strong disguised as Emma Thurman? <laughs> I can't rule that out. This joke will make no sense to anyone unless you've seen John Carter. And even if you've seen John I, Carter, I, it still I, may make no sense. It didn't make any sense to me. To me. <laughs> so, but this film, uh, so it's got a, a nice selection of, of, of actresses for the older gentlemen. <laughs> well, there's some for the younger gentlemen as well. And Holiday Granger is also in there um, as um, as Chris and Scott Thomas's daughter. Mm -hmm. Spoiler there okay. will also be some, you know, getting his end away there. All right, okay, grand. And how is Arpat's? And how is Arpat's end, by the way? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's not that sort of film. It's not that sort of film? Not quite. Oh. You don't see those bits. I don't know why I sounded disappointed there. <laughs> <laughs> you don't see Robert Pattinson's arse? Oh, that's a shame. Well, there, but, there's, you know, it's, oh, it's tasteful. On. It's tasteful. That's what I'm saying. The arse pats. <laughs> <laughs> that's disrespectful. Oh, new moon. Okay. Oh. Uh, is it good? Uh, not really, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's arse bad. No, I, I think I have, a, I have a slight problem in the fact that I was um, forced to study this particular author in school and I find him ridiculous and, and depressing and, and just morbid. Um, and sure enough, this is kind of ridiculous and depressing and morbid, mm -hmm. so I stand by that, that analysis. Um, Arpats is kind of surly and hollow inside uh, in this role, but I think that's what he's meant to be for because that's what the character is. I don't think that's necessarily a failure on his part. Okay. Uh, but it just feels a little bit um, meaningless. Where do we stand in our pats, people? Because on his head, on his hair, because it won't hurt as much. <laughs> that's true. That's a very, very good point. If you're going to send Robert Pattinson to try and go for the hair, uh, because he has taken an interesting uh, career direction since uh, Twilight, uh, he hasn't really done the obvious blockbusters. You'd expect him to be up for things like John Carter. No, I have a theory on this. Okay. Um, my theory is that his path since Twilight is exactly the right one and Zorn Taylor Lautner's indeed and Taylor Lautner's is pretty much the wrong one Taylor Lautner's kind of tried to go for these you know obvious big blockbusters abduction uh, he was up for that stretch Armstrong movie that kind of thing yes. um, historically if you want to become a star with you know longevity of career uh, then you do exactly what Arpats is doing which is that you have something that is a big breakout film is really successful that gives you enough money to then go off and do interesting indie movies work with interesting directors and try and build a reputation you know if you look at DiCaprio, Pitt, Clooney to an extent that's kind of what all of them did and, and, and that seems to be what works so actually it, it seems to me to be exactly the right path I mean he's working with um, Cosmopolis next you David Cronenberg David Cronenberg so you know it may well be that in 20 years time we're going to see our pats up for Oscars in the same way that Brad Pitt was this year but isn't uh, T. Lau uh, also teaming <laughs> up with Gus Van Sant for his next film well he may have finally gotten it back on track for a little while I there. believe he's, he's a looking. runner on that one so he, <laughs> he, he could him. play an Oscar 
Okay, good. Good. It's just not realistic enough. Wow. Oh. He was too stiff. Um, okay. Boy. He's very young. He's still got time. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, and on that uh, T Lao bombshell. Uh, that is it for this week. Uh, don't forget to tell us what you think on Facebook, on Twitter, on toilet walls everywhere, and send in your jingles, please. Be they good, bad, or indifferent. We'll be back next week. Same pod time, same pod channel. So it's a uh, goodbye from Helen. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye from Matt. <laughs> really? Is that Barsoomian for, for hello? <laughs> goodbye, whatever. whatever. Okay. Yeah. Uh, goodbye from Phil. Jedak. <laughs> goodbye from Nick. Fatty <laughs> Bye from me. Bye bye.